<laughs> Good morning, church. Yes, just wait for week two, man. You're going to be amazed at how terrible we are at acting. Uh, my name is Ben Seaman. I serve on staff here as our lead minister. We're excited that you're joining with us online as well as in person as we kick off a brand new four-week teaching series uh, called Hero Maker, which is a series on our leadership development, inviting and investing in one another here uh, at, uh, at RCC. Um, it feels like, because it has been, about a year ago, we were going to launch this series. Uh, our elders, our staff, our um, key uh, ministry leaders, life group leaders, we've all read the book uh, Hero Maker. So I want to encourage you uh, to grab a copy of Hero Maker on Amazon. And, and really, if you're like, I'm not really into reading, the, 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 the price of the book is in the second section of the book, where it talks about sort of five principles of what makes a hero maker uh, a hero maker. And that's where this series is birthed out of, to create a serving culture where we're investing and inviting others to serve and to one day even replace us because we all have a lifespan and the church isn't about maintaining where we're at, but growing uh, for to reach more people in the future. If I were to ask you who your favorite superhero is, I think most of us would be able to give an answer pretty quickly. For me, my favorite superhero uh, is, is Batman. Uh, there's a um, sort of a, a tension, an argument, a conversation, if you will, between Batman and Superman. I just prefer my superheroes uh, to not wear their underwear on the outside of their pants. Uh, and so that's why I'm on Team Batman. Now, within the conversation of Batman, there's another um, polite conversation or debate as to who played the best Batman in all of the films. Uh, I don't know what it is about just growing up, but my first introduction uh, to Batman was Michael Keaton, and I think he's probably the best Batman, and Jack Nicholson doesn't uh, he plays a great uh, Joker as well, although Heath Ledger might, might sort of edge him out. But in terms of a duo in a film, I think these two guys are probably the best uh, hero uh, and, and villain. When we think about this idea of hero maker, here's, here's really what we mean. A hero uh, looks at a situation or in the context of a church, uh, sometimes the church Churches have tendencies to hire doers and um, have ministry leaders that are doers, and which is not a bad thing, but if you have a team of the, all they do is do, you're not going to have a church that develops other people. A doer, uh, like a shepherd, would look at a situation and say, I have to figure this out. This is why the church is paying me, right? I have to figure out how to disciple students or preach good sermons or lead good worship. A hero looks at a situation and says, I have to be the main character. I have to figure this out. A hero maker thinks more like a, uh, a, a rancher, sort of an exponential thinker. So they would look at the same situation, same problem at work, at church, at home. It doesn't matter. You can, you can even steal this. Uh, we've been stealing from Jesus through millennia, and you can use this sermon series uh, to develop your employees if you're an employer, if you're over anybody. A hero maker looks at a situation and says, who can I invite to go with me? Right? Does this make sense? Who can I invite to go with me? So somebody that's on staff at a church doesn't say the buck stops with me. 
Someone that is an elder at a church doesn't say the buck stops with me. Someone uh, that is a life group leader, a small group leader, uh, a worship leader, whatever, doesn't say the buck stops with me. No, what they say is if they're a hero maker, it's how can I reproduce myself? How can I invest in somebody else who can carry the mantle forward? So here's the big idea of our series today. We're going to talk about thinking like a hero maker. So here's the big idea. Thinking like a hero maker requires a shift from thinking. I need to be the hero of the story and deciding to make heroes of others. Um, it's, <laughs> unfortunately, in some churches, there's this um, really poor leadership idea that, well, that's what we paid staff to do. They have to do everything. That's how a hero thinks. A hero maker thinks, how can I invite and invest others to come alongside of me? So if you are currently serving on a serve team, if you're an elder, if you're a life group leader, if you're a staff member, let me challenge you to reproduce yourself. The end goal of being a life group leader should not be, I'm going to invest in the same five to seven people for 15 years. That's not success, according to Jesus' uh, uh, sort of uh, understanding of discipleship, which he created. Now, if you journeyed with people, which is a valued RCC, the same five to seven people for 15 years, there is going to be an enormous amount of depth, right? Incredible relationships. You guys are going to know yourselves inside and out. But guess what? Church growth stops with you. A hero maker says, I'm going to, um, I'm going to start a life group so that I can invite and invest in three to five to seven people, so that in 12 to 24 months, I'm going to ask two or three of those people, men, women, or couples, to start their own life group, their own life groups, and, fo and follow the model that I actually gave them. Does this make sense? A church does not grow if it thinks it's filled with a bunch of heroes, right? A church grows when it's filled with a bunch of hero makers who are willing to invest and invite and develop other people. Now, uh, everyone that came in to our building today for in-house services received this little coffee filter. Go ahead and grab that out of your chair right now, as well as a pen. If you're watching at home, grab a coffee filter if you have one. Uh, really, a piece of paper would work, and grab a pen. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to use this um, illustration throughout the entire sermon. So on this end, I want you to write your name at the bottom of the coffee filter, okay? Go ahead and take a moment to write your name at the bottom of the coffee filter. And then here's what I want you to do. And I want you to take this home, put it on your fridge, wherever you're going to, you know, fix your eyes at, at home a lot, put it there. For me, it would be the fridge, okay? Especially during NFL playoffs. I can't wait for the Buckeyes to beat to be the championships on Monday night uh, as a Buckeye fan. Now, here's what I want you to do. From top to bottom, it could be one, it could be three, it could be, if you want to show off, it could be 20. Write all of the names of people that have invested in you over the course of your life, okay? Go ahead and take a moment and write all of the names of people that have significantly invested in you. It could be spiritually, it could be physically, it could be educationally, it could be emotionally, it, it doesn't matter. Who are the people in your life that have invested in you that really you are the result of their investment, right? And you are the way that you are because of those people that have invested in you. Go ahead and take a moment and write those names down. 
I want to tell you uh, a quick story about Jamie. Uh, we have a photo of Jamie uh, behind me uh, on the screen. Jamie was a, uh, is one of our worship leaders uh, here at RCC. And uh, if you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, you should. If, if you haven't, we'll, we are going to be posting um, folks that serve at RCC and sort of them telling their story as to why they do that. This whole series is an invitation for you to journey with other people in a serve team. Okay, so the clear ask over the next four weeks is for you to join a serve team. Now I know that you know we're we're still in the in the throes of a pandemic. Um, I, I believe that things are are getting better. Um, w- whether we're ready or not, we're going to celebrate Easter in ninety days. Believe it or not, probably less than ninety days. And so we want to get back to where we left off. This Hero Maker series was the series we were going to do when everything stopped. And so now it's an invitation to re-invite everyone to re-engage back into our church body. So this is what Jamie said about why she serves. Listen to this, so beautiful. I serve at RCC because God led me to this place I call my church home. God has given me a worshipful heart And one way I show him glory is by helping lead worship. In those moments, I feel his perfect peace. Now listen to this. I love to help others reach that space too. That is the statement of a hero maker, right? A hero would say, well, I'm just a really good singer, right? And all the bars are closed, so I can't do karaoke, so I'm going to join a church band. And it's all about me. you got to pick the songs that I want to do that are meaningful to me, and I don't really care what anybody else thinks. No, did you hear what Jamie said? I want to lead worship so that I can invite other people into the space where the Spirit is shaping and forming me and our entire church community. Here's the backstory of Jamie's story that you probably don't, don't know. Um, growing up in Cincinnati... At White Oak Christian Church, there was an upperclassman by the name of Mike Stoller. Mike was a great guy, insanely crazy extrovert, but also um, very a very peaceable person. He was a great sort of team leader that was not easily offended and would allow students to really express their opinions. Mike goes to Bible college, comes back to White Oak, and becomes an intern. And so now I get to work. I'm a high school student. I get to work with Mike. Um, He lets me plan retreats for middle school students. He also lets me get to hit them in the head with dodgeballs. Um, I I get to hear his story. I get to hear what it's like to actually be a Jesus follower um, from somebody who's actually in their 20s, away from home. They can do whatever they want, and yet they're still committed to following Jesus. Mike leaves that internship and gets a job uh, at a church in Newport News, Virginia. I go into ministry. I study at uh, Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri. And then in one of those summers, I go to Virginia to intern with Mike. The best, the wildest stories I have from that, it's just insane what what happened um, over those 90 days in Virginia. Had one of the best experiences of my life, you guys. Mike poured himself not only into me, but his students and his parents uh, and the people at Denby Christian Church. 
I go into ministry. I do student ministry for about 10 years. Uh, I do about three years of campus ministry as a campus pastor at a multi-site church. Then I come to Rockingham Christian Church here in New England. Mike Stoller gives me a call and says, hey, I'm a campus pastor at Virginia Tech. One of my students, Jamie, is from New England. She's coming home for the holidays. If she came to RCC, would you and Crystal come alongside of her, take her out to lunch, get to know her, build a relationship with her, because she really wants to stay connected. Jamie just um, recently gave her life to Christ. She was baptized. Uh, this probably would have been like a year, year and a half ago, and she's looking for a church family uh, to attend over the summer and during the holidays. Do you see what I'm saying, church? Jamie is the result of Mike's investment in her. I'm the result of Mike's investment in me. This is how a hero maker approaches life, right? Not overly confident, humble, willing to invest in other people. He doesn't care if you call him a pastor, a minister. He, labels are irrelevant to him. He wants to invest in other people so that they can follow Jesus. And isn't it true? Like, hopefully, as I'm telling the story of Jamie and really the story about Mike uh, Stoller, that you're probably thinking about one of those names on your little coffee filter. Man, where would I be without Mike Stoller? Maybe your Mike Stoller is somebody else, right? Maybe it's a teacher, a pastor, a youth pastor, a female, a male, whatever it is, you are the result because somebody decided, I want to invest in you. Not play church. I want to invest in you. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to go over the blueprint, the, the game plan, so to speak, of Jesus's um, sort of uh, playbook of how we should invest in other people. And so at the end of Jesus's life, and then we'll go back to the beginning of his ministry, but for right now, at the end of Jesus's life, before he ascends into heaven, in Matthew 28, we get the Great Commission. But hey, don't miss this. This is how Jesus wants to grow the church. Jesus never prayed that, we, that churches would become mega churches, small churches, or medium-sized churches. He just prayed that we would be unified uh, in the same mission. So in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, this is what Matthew writes. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, this is how you do discipleship. This is how you do hero making. You baptize them. In the Trinity, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, the only time the Trinity shows up in the Gospels are the bookends of baptisms. The first time you see them is at Jesus' baptism. So baptism is a really big deal to Jesus and the Gospel writers. So we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then when they step out of the baptistry, here's what we do. We teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not, even though I'm leaving, I'm not going to leave you high and dry, right? That would be poor leadership. That would be poor management in the corporate world. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Jesus gave it to us. And here's the deal. If you've been around church for any length of time, you go, okay, boring. I've heard that before. Yet, are we doing it? Simple things can turn into assumed things. And when something's assumed, like, oh, I'll, eh, okay, I'll get around to it eventually, assumed things become ignored things. And if something gets ignored, eventually it just gets forgotten. Let me ask you some real 
gut-level discipleship questions. I know there's, there's been a lockdown, so I'll expand it. In the last three years, who have you baptized? In the last three years, who have you invited to Rockingham Christian Church? In, in the last three years, who have you shared the gospel with? My goodness. In the last three years, who have you, because Jesus says, teach them everything that what? I've taught you. And I can see Peter going, oh man, I, I didn't, I don't have an iPad, Jesus. I didn't really write this down. I didn't, I didn't voice text this, right? Like, and, G, and Jesus goes, do you remember do you remember when there was that woman caught in adultery? Which I never understood why they didn't like nail the men in that situation. They always went after the female. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, I remember that. Well, do you remember <clears throat> I was teaching you how to deal with people and how to look at people? Yeah, I, I was showing you how to be judicious, which some people uh, erroneously would say Christians are judgmental. There's a difference between being judgmental and being judicious. Judicious is trying to discern what is going on in a situation. Remember when I was being judicious with that woman, and when everybody left, I looked at her and said, I love you, stop sinning. I call things out as black and white. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Okay, but do you remember what happened before that? I was not being judicious right? I was being perceptive. So when the crowd said, under, um, <clears throat> under uh, Jewish law and the Torah, this woman should have been stoned. Religiously, they were correct. Religiously, they were correct. But religion does not know what to do with mercy. Mercy is that annoying middle schooler that keeps asking those annoying questions. And Jesus says, okay, I'll nail her. I'm going to go right for her temple. I'm going to knock her out. Before I do that, though, if you are without sin, why don't you throw the first stone? Do you remember that, guys? I was teaching you how to look at people, to be perceptive and be, oh, oh, do you remember the Sermon on the Mount? I would argue the greatest sermon ever given, the greatest speech ever given in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Yeah, all that stuff I taught you, guys, go and do that. Right? Jesus makes this very simple for us. He, he puts it at the bottom shelf so that you and I can reach it. But oftentimes when we talk about religion and faith, it's just like, man, if I could just keep this on the top shelf, then I don't really have to think deeply about it. It's the pastor's job to convert people. No, it's not. It's the Holy Spirit's job. Right? It's a pastor's job to grow the church. No, it's not. It's a church's job to grow the church if they're willing to invest and invite and develop other people. And Jesus began his ministry this way. In Mark 1, 16 through 18, Mark writes, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said. Right? He doesn't say take a theology test. He doesn't say, are you giving to your synagogue 10%. He just says, would you come follow me? It, it's, it's like there's, there's some people in your life that are really worth carving out time for. And, and I picture Jesus kind of being one of, those, one of those people where he just, hey, come follow me. And he just keeps walking. Like, I'm not even going to wait for an answer because I know what I'm about. And if you want to be about the kingdom of God, drop what you're doing and come follow me. Now, we can easily go, yeah, okay, I've heard that story. No, they quit their jobs. <laughs> like, they have no income. They went from supporting a family to being homeless. And probably today we'd be like, well, that's not really being a good uh, spouse. Like if you're going to just not contribute to your family financially, 
Why would you go follow a hippie that was a carpenter but now is homeless and thinks that he's God in the flesh? Why would you do that? Here's what they did. At once, they left their nets and they followed him. In verse 19, Mark says, When he had gone a little further, he saw James, the sons of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, without delay, he called them. And, le- and they left their father Zebedee and the boat with hired men and followed him. Now, here's something that you may, may or not know about the disciples. They all have different personalities and temperaments. And, and I love that James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, they had very aggressive, dominant personalities. I, I would guess someone like Matthew, who's a tax collector, is probably a little more introverted, laid back, calculated. Everything Matthew does is with integrity, precision, and purpose. What I'm trying to tell you, church, is that every walk of life, of personality, and temperament is invited to follow Jesus and to be discipled by him. You don't have to be perfect to follow Jesus. These Jewish men that were asked to follow Jesus were not intelligent enough to be rabbis. In rabbinic school, you would study the Torah and have all of these oral exams, and you would have to give these oral exams and respond with your answers to rabbis, at which point a rabbi would decide if you were worthy enough to follow him. He would then invest in you, and Jesus went after all of the college dropouts and says, I want you to come and follow me. You think fish and money and supporting your family is the highest value on earth? I'm going to show you how to fish for men and to grow the kingdom of God. Jesus was a hero maker. And I want you to write these down, put them in your phone. If you're watching online, write them down, pen to paper, uh, because this is how we need to look at relationships. Number one, a hero maker takes initiative. A great way to think about leadership is to think about the greatest game ever invented, baseball, duh. When a ball hits a bat, an outfielder does what? Takes two steps back to see where the ball is. An infielder, when they hear the crack of the bat, they take two steps forward because they got to respond quickly to throw the runner out at first. A hero maker, a Jesus follower is a shortstop, not a center fielder. A hero maker takes, a, uh, not advantage, takes initiative with people and moves towards them. Is that not the gospel narrative of like the whole Bible? The more the Israelite community wonders, complains, I want a king like every other kingdom. God's like, okay, no, I don't. We want God. No, now I want a king. And even the disciples, Peter, Judas, as people continue to move away from Jesus, as people can, the Israelites continue to move away from God, what did God do? He moved in closer. It's both annoying, in my opinion, and comforting, the love of God, right? It moves, he moves in closer. Let me ask you this. Who in your life are you moving towards? I'm not talking about your kids. I'm not talking about your spouse. That's, for the sake of sermon, like that, that, I'm, that's assumed. Who are you moving towards that is not a follower of Jesus? That would say, like, I've never really been to church, or I'm just a flat-out atheist. I think religion's a joke. It's for people that are intellectually inferior, and they just, you know, like a Hallmark card, they just want an emotional crutch to get through life. We have to be people that move towards other people. It should affect our calendar. Jesus should be saying, give me your phone. 
and pull out your calendar app. In a given month, how many people are you meeting with? How many, now I know there's a pandemic. We're, that's not an excuse to not disciple people. You can do Zoom, right? You can do phone calls. Even when phones are on walls, you can still develop people. But in your calendar right now, who is in your phone, on your calendar, for lunch, for coffee, a Zoom call, texting conversation, FaceTime? If you don't have anybody, think about this. Between now and the end of January, who can I put on my calendar? Who can I begin investing in? Hopefully it's someone that's far from God, and maybe it's someone that just needs some encouragement, or maybe it's someone that is an immature Christian that needs to be discipled from you. Like, you you don't understand, church. You're such a gift to people that have not unwrapped your awesomeness. Like, you are a wicked sinner (laughs) that has been saved by grace, that that I hope has put all of your trust in the person and the work of Jesus and not your own pathetic morality, which doesn't get us anywhere. And people need to hear your story. They don't, hear, they don't need to hear mine. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not you. you. You work with these people. You live next door to these people. You go to middle school and high school and elementary with these people. You are the most important person in that relationship because of proximity. You can't buy that anywhere else, my friends. A hero maker takes initiative. Number two, a hero maker calls regular people, just like Jesus. Nothing fancy, just regular, everyday people. Consider Mark 3, 13 through 15. Jesus went up to the mountainside and called to him those that he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed the twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to his kind of cool and to have authority to drive out demons. I'm not into, um, I'm not into uh, New Year's resolutions. If you are, that's fine. I was talking with uh, a guy at our church before services, and um, I'm, I'm more interested, I'm in a spiritual formation group with some other pastors. I'm more interested in to, in to think about how do I want to approach my day? How do I want to approach my morning? How do I want to approach my work life? How do I want to approach my wind down time when I shift from work to home? And how do I want to end my day? Jesus had a mission and a, and a, and a focused goal. He was probably really fun to hang out with, but don't get it twisted. He was very intentional. The text reads that Jesus went away to spend time with God, praying, God, who should I invite Who should I be investing in? Here's the thing. If you just say, well, I heard Ben's sermon. It was awesome. First, thank you. Um, Now I'm going to invest in the people that I'm already friends with. You missed the point of the sermon. Because when you pray, Spirit, give me some names of people at Rockingham Christian Church, at my job, in my neighborhood, that I would probably, if I'm being honest, I would skip over because they're kind of annoying and I don't really like them. But would you put them on my heart if those are the kinds of people that you want me to invest in? I'm telling you what, friends, it will blow your mind. It will annoy you to death because Jesus says, hey, I know, I know you want the cream of the crop. I know you want the best of the best, but, but I didn't pick the cream of the crop. I didn't pick the best of the best. I, th- Jesus is God. He humbled himself and asked his father, who should I invest in? 
That is an insanely amount, like that insane amount of humility. That God would humble himself to ask his father, who should I invest in? I don't want to miss somebody that you would want me to invest in that, you know, because we never really grew out of middle school, I want to pick my favorites. C.S. Lewis says this about the life of Jesus and how he invites and invests in other people. He, Jesus, he sees them to do nothing of himself, which he can possibly delegate to his creatures. He commands us to be sloppy. Listen to this, church. He commands us to be sloppy and blundering. Jesus anticipates that you're going to screw up. (laughs) Isn't that cool? Jesus anticipates that you're not going to get it right all the time. He commands us to to be sloppy and to do it blunderly, what he could do perfectly. Think about that, church. Does Jesus need us to grow the kingdom of God? No. But you know what he does? He invites us on a journey with him. Not to do stuff for him and say, look what I've done. No, to do ministry with him. He commands us to do it sloppy and burnly, what he could do perfectly in the twinkling of an eye. Creation seems to be delegation through and through. I love this. I suppose this is true because Jesus, he's a giver. He's a giver. Don't listen to the sermon and think, well, Ben, I'm not, a, I'm not a pastor. I don't have a master's in God, you know? Like, I, I don't. Yeah, but you know the people in your circle of influence. I don't. You know their story. You know their hurts and habits and hangups. You know how they're processing, if they are processing the pandemic. You know what their pain points are, their pressure points are. You know what their insecurities are, how, where they hide from, how they self-medicate how they self-sabotage. You know all that stuff. And like I said before, you're a gift to these people. Church, we have to be hero makers. We have to be a church that's willing to invite, invest, and develop other people. I came across this uh, awesome story of of Shailen Flanagan. Uh, If you're into running, you probably know this. She's the first female that won the New York Marathon in 40 years. Check out her time Two hours and 26 minutes. Yikes. No, thank you. I have a car. Here's what's incredible about the Shailen effect, sort of this, this, sort of this idea. It's not that she won the race. It's how that she won the race. She, listen to this, church. She invested in 11 other elite female athletes who at the, man, excuse me every time, who at the end of her race celebrated with her all 11 female athletes that she invested in all went into, uh, all moved on to compete in the Olympic Games. This is the Shailen effect. Here it is. This is what she says. You serve as a rocket booster for the women who work alongside you while catapulting, catapulting forward yourself. Discipleship, leadership, is, is not a hill we climb so that we can enjoy it alone. And I'm really worried in the American church 
that we live, we go to church, but we live autonomous, self-isolating lives. And that's, that's not the relationship Jesus invites us into. Not at all. So what I'd like to do in closing is to invite you to pull this guy out again. And on the other side, the blank side, I want you to put yourself at the top. I want you to put your name at the top, not at the bottom. And here's, here, here's the challenge, okay? If you're like, I don't want to do this right now, that's fine. You need to think about this and put a game plan together. Here's the challenge. I want you to write down two to five names of people that you're going to inve- invite, invest in, and develop. In, we got we to make it measurable in the next 90 days. So by, let's just say by Easter, I want to have a discipleship ongoing relationship with these two to five people, all right? Go ahead and take a moment to write those names down. If you, like I said, if you want to apply the sermon, if you need time to pray and to seek the Lord in that, I would encourage you to do that. I want to close with um, a powerful verse that Paul gave to the Philippian church that honestly, I've never really seen it this way until I learned, uh, looked at it through the lens of leadership development. In Philippians 2, 3 through 5, Paul says this, church, do nothing out of selfish ambition. You better not be a church of heroes, right? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, here's a hero maker language, in humility, value others above yourselves. How do we do that? Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, here's the good stuff. In your relationships with one another, here's how you think like a hero maker, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Well, how do I have the same mindset of Jesus, Ben? Read the Gospels. Do everything that Jesus commanded the disciples to do. Get a group of men, get a group of women, get a group of couples together. Do it intergenerationally or do it with other people in your same season of life. It doesn't matter. Just start doing it. And when you do that, you will see the kingdom of God grow and blossom. And it is one of the most healthy addictions (laughs) to invest your life into other people who then in turn, after a season, invest their lives in other people. This is the way of Jesus. This is the way to make sure, to ensure that healthy things grow and not die. Let me pray. Jesus, thanks so much for um, this beautiful call to action that we get to uh, not only be saved, but we get to be part of your story. And we get to do things alongside of you. And as C.S. Lewis says, we can, we can be sloppy. We can fall on our face. We can mess up. At times, we're going to get frustrated. We might even sin, and yet you still come alongside of us. At the end of the day, the religious nonsense does not even matter. What matters to you, as a man with, of no reputation, <laughs> that we should not seek titles, what, what matters to you, Jesus, is that we invite, invest, and develop other people. And the health and the growth of a church really depends on that. Thank you for this challenge, Jesus. I want to invite our church to do it. Spirit, would you lead us and guide us? Would you, would you prompt us with the names of the people that we need to invest, invite, and develop between now and Easter? It's in your name that we pray. Amen.